Our new life is hidden with Christ in God. That's an amazing statement. We gotta think about these things. We're not thinking about this. We really aren't. We gotta think about it. Amazing statement. The term hidden speaks of being concealed or hidden and kept safe. Welcome to this Friday edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And our teacher is Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church. And Greg, today we conclude our look at a passage that just might change our lives if we're willing to listen. You're right, Dave, so let's get right to it and turn in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Make a conscious decision to focus on the exalted, all-powerful Christ who accomplished your salvation. Make a conscious decision to get your mind back on Jesus. We're to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, right? We see that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So how do we seek the things of Christ? We need to set our mind on them. And notice he says in contrast, and we'll see a minute more specifically, in contrast, not the things that are on the earth. So how I do it is I gotta not look at something to look at something else. I don't want to be like this, you know, and looking at one thing here and here, right? No, I want to be setting my mind on one thing here. So in contrast, first of all, what are the things of earth? They are the visible realities, temporal, earthly things, the things of the world, the things of man as we've seen already. Even religious things, my desire, my needs, my will, my flesh, my exaltation, man's interests. Remember, we saw these things earlier. We saw the things of the world earlier. They were packaged religiously, but we saw them earlier. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, see to that no one takes you captive through philosophy. That's a thing of earth. Through empty deception according to the tradition of men. That's a thing of earth. According to the elementary principles of the world. That's a thing of earth, how the world functions. We saw in Colossians 2.16 that we're not to focus on the worldly shadows, but the spiritual reality. Right? We're not to be defrauded of our prize by experience. We're to be growing in Christ. We're not to be submitting to decrees, these worldly decrees in accordance with the teachings of men. To be sure, have the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion, self-abasement, spiritual in the body. Those are the things of earth. That's certainly things of earth. And we certainly know what the things of earth are based on who we used to be before we were saved. It's just, it's just everything absent Christ. It's everything absent Christ. It's living a life separated from Christ. It's thinking through things apart from involving our Savior and His will and desire as revealed in His Word. Yes, we're in this world, but He tells us how to function as those who are out of this world. Yes, see? Listen to this tearful warning in Philippians chapter 3. These are those who kind of made a profession but didn't really have it. 
Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemy of the cross of Christ, that's not good. That's kind of bad. Whose end is destruction. I don't think they're saved. Whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame. You see that? Go watch YouTube. There you go, right? Glory and shame. That's what you see. Who set their mind on earthly things. Now, some might say you're too heavenly minded and no earthly good. Well, if you're truly heavenly minded, you're going to be absolutely earthly good because God gives us his understanding through Christ on how we function in this world, on how we are to think in relationship to marriage, in relationship to the world, in relationship to a sudden onslaught of fear, in the relationship to our jobs, in relationship to every situation. God tells us how we're to function. We saw it earlier, the mindset on the flesh is death. And this is helpful in Romans 8, because he says the mindset on the spirit is life. So here's the two things. If I'm setting my mind on the things above, it's in a spiritual sphere. It's not in the flesh. It's not in the things of mankind, and it's in the things of God through the spirit. We'll see which come to the word. Remember what happened to Peter when he was trying to be a good guy and stop Jesus from getting hurt, right? Do you remember that? Matthew 6, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised from the third day. God was sharing his will and what would happen. And then Peter went against that through his own fleshly desire. And it even seemed like a good desire in the moment, right? Well, it really wasn't, because the Lord Jesus was going to die for our sins. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. You see, we need to look at this life from God's interests, not man's. What is God's interest for how I treat my wife? What is God's interest for how I deal with trials? What is God's interest for how I serve him? What is God's interest for how the church functions? What is God's interest for how I live and work in this world? What is God's interest for how I interact with non-believers? What is God's interest versus my interest? There's a battle there, right? But we need to see things from an eternal perspective. Slice of vapor, we need to see them from God's interests. And where do we find God's interest? In his word. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we don't lose heart. Paul's talking about we're almost dying all the time, serving Jesus, but we don't lose heart and discourage him. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing in for us an eternal weight of glory all beyond all comparison. That's God's truth there. For while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We don't scope out the things that are seen. We set our minds on the things above. It doesn't mean that we're driving along and... We can't steer the car because we're thinking of things above. 
doesn't eat food because that's not from above. It's seeing everything from God's perspective. It's seeing him rightly and focusing on him. Remember what Paul said in contrast in Romans 8, 5. He says, For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? Well, Paul said, hey, we don't come with man's wisdom preaching the Word of God to the Corinthians. First Corinthians 2. He said, we basically come preaching God's Word, and it's spiritual wisdom. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. That's the Word of God, and we might know it as a Spirit. Which things we also speak. The reality is, if you want to seek the things above, you've got to seek it through the Word of God. You've got to seek it through the truth of God, by the Spirit of God. You see that? The blessed man... Psalm 1, he meditates in the Word day and night. He doesn't allow the world to control his heart and thoughts, but God's Word. We need to make a decision to renew our minds. We'll see it later on in chapter 3, the renewal. We've got to renew our minds. And we'll see it in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed through the renewing of your mind. Be transformed in how you think of your job. Be transformed in how you think of other people. Be transformed in how you think of people who are angry at you. Be transformed in how you think of your spouse. Be transformed in how you raise your children. Be transformed. So then, we're going to see that Christ is our very life. Since he's our life, that's who we should be focusing on. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of earth. You can see it this way, a lot of what we saw in chapter 2. Don't let anyone dissuade you with persuasive arguments. Rather, because of your union with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Don't let anyone take you spiritually captive, but rather, because of your union with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Rather than focusing on the shadows, food, drink, respective new moon, festival, Sabbath day, keep seeking the things above. Rather than focusing on religious experience, delighting yourself in self-abasing and worship of angels, those things inflated with your fleshly mind, keep seeking the things above. Rather than submitting to religious decrees like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, keep seeking the things above. Set your mind to things above. So I ask you, where does your mind dwell? Our mind's tempted to go away really quickly when things happen. We need to practice and train our hearts to keep turning back and focusing on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Have you ever seen a dog chase a cat? They are focused on it. They don't turn away. Focus on Jesus. And it doesn't mean that you'll be off in some heavenly sphere where you... you, uh, Hey, 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 Greg, 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 hey, hey. No, it doesn't mean that. It means as we walk in this earth, we're going to see things from his perspective. And we allow his word, as we're going to see later on, chapter 3, dwell richly in us. Now notice here... We have a final portion in our passage, which is a portion that should motivate us to do this. It's a motivation to do this. Look at verse 3, 4. 4. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. You know, we're to keep seeking the things above because of who we are in Christ now and our future glory. He says four, that signifies an explanation. 
why we are to set our mind on the things above and not the things of earth. Here's why. For or because you've died. It happened. There's tense. You've died. Your old man is dead. You're dead in that sense. But you've been raised in newness of life. Marvelous truth. You've died. And he continues. And your life, our new life, is hidden with Christ in God. That's an amazing statement. We've got to think about these things. We're not thinking about this. We really aren't. We've got to think about it. Amazing statement. The term hidden speaks of being concealed or hidden and kept safe. It's in a perfect tense in Greek, which means we were hidden in the past and it was done deal, and it still applies to us right now. We continue to be hidden with Christ in God. What does this mean? Well, I think it reflects our union with Christ, certainly. Romans chapter 6, as I've read. But it also, our new life is concealed or it's hidden in respect that unbelievers cannot see it, they cannot grasp it, they cannot see the life you have in Christ. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit to God for their foolishness. He cannot understand it because they're spiritually appraised, 1 Corinthians 2.14. And lastly, I think it speaks of protection, concealed, hidden, being kept safe. You're safe in Jesus. You're safe in him. You see, because we're in Christ, and Christ is fully and eternally pleasing and acceptable to the Father, no one can snatch us out of his hand. Our life is hidden in Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. After talking about how God works all things together for good to those who love and those who call according to his purpose, that those who's justified, sanctified, glorified, it's coming. And he says in Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? I gotta think this way. When we've got enemies coming against us, got people saying things, you can get distracted and get lose focus, set your mind on things above. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as this is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus and then believe it. Believe the truth of God. Because of our relationship with Christ, we can never be taken away from We're safe in him. You've died since power is broken. And your life is concealed in Jesus, safe. Then notice what he says here. That's what's now. You're safe in him. You're concealed in him. Your life consists of being in Christ, right? He says, when Christ, verse 4, who is our life. Now, translators added the words who is here, not added it, but they put it there to help us understand translation from Greek. Literally, it's when Christ, our life, is revealed then you will also be revealed with him in glory. You see, true life is summed up in a real relationship with the Lord. 
Jesus said in John 17.3, This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the one only true God, and your Son whom thou hast sent. It's a relationship with the living God. We understand relationships within one another. We have a relationship with Jesus. Paul summed up his life in Christ. He said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, the life I live, Galatians 2.20, I live by faith. It's by faith, brothers and sisters. It's not by experience. It's by faith. Believing in Jesus and trusting in his word, focusing on him, it's by faith. You see, we are hidden in Christ, and he is our life. He's our life. If you've been raised with Christ, Christ is your life. Set your mind on the things above, or Christ is. Are you living a life by faith in the Son of God? If not, you're not going to be able to set your mind on the things above. It's not going to happen. Christ is our life. But notice, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This keeps our focus on the Lord. This motivates us. He's our life, and we're going to be revealed with him. We're concealed in him, but no one sees it. No one knows it. When Christ is revealed, now I'll just briefly share this. This is speaking of his coming in glory. That's what it's speaking of. And I'll briefly share an overview of the end times events to get us to this point. We know that the next thing on God's prophetic clock for us is what we call the rapture. It's where we're forcibly grabbed. It is where the bodies that are in the graves are resurrected and the spirits that have died come with Jesus and they're glorified. And those who are alive and remain are changed and we're caught up in the air together to be with the Lord forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, John 14, 1 through 3. It's where Jesus takes his bride to the place he's prepared for her. And I believe in heaven during this time the church will be judged for her works, the Bema seat, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 3. I also believe we, his holy ones, will be there and we will experience the marriage of the Lamb at that point. Not the marriage supper, that's coming later because the guests aren't there yet. The marriage of the Lamb during that time. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. What a glorious time in heaven we will experience with Christ, but the events on earth will be different. For a period of seven years, Daniel's 70th week, Daniel 9, 21 to 27, the earth will experience tribulation such that it has never seen before. And then Christ will come at the end of this tribulation. The seven-year tribulation will begin with a covenant made with Israel and the Antichrist. The midpoint, this Antichrist, Satan having been cast out of heaven for good, pursues Israel, Revelation 12, 13, and gives his Antichrist the authority All his authority and power, Revelation 13. He'll declare himself to be God, Daniel 9, 27, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, and then Matthew 24, 15. And then as God brings forth his distress, it's the day of Jacob's trouble, time of Jacob's distress. Two-thirds will be killed of Israel, one will remain. At the end of the tribulation, Christ will come, that's seven years, personally with his holy ones, that's the saints, that's the church, plant his feet on the Mount of Olives, the Battle of Armageddon, he will destroy his enemies and save all Israel. Ezekiel 34, 36-39, Jeremiah 30, Joel 3, Zechariah 12, 14, Romans 11, and Revelation 19. This is what our passage is speaking of. When he comes in glory, we're going to be with him. Revelation 1.7, Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 24 as we finish up. 
Matthew 24, 29 says, But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. You see, we're going to be revealed with him. Zechariah 14.5, the Lord my God will come with all his holy ones with him. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This ought to motivate us to seek the things above. This glorious truth ought to draw our hearts heavenward, which means we've got to get in the word, got to renew our minds. Our future is not of this world, and our life right now is hidden in Christ. We'll be revealed with him in glory. If you're a non-believer, you need to turn from your sin, trust in Jesus Christ to deliver you from the wrath to come. If you're a believer, this truth should drive our thoughts heavenward, looking for our Savior, eagerly awaiting for him, and then our revelation with him in glory. So then, what should we be thinking about? If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So how do we do so? Set your mind on the things above, not the things of earth. Let who you are in Christ now and your future glory motivate you to keep seeking the things above. There's some of you here today that never truly had a truly heavenward thought. You don't know Christ. And God is a gracious God. You need salvation. And he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And you'll go from death to life. And you'll be able to then have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, we need to continually set our mind on the things. But we need to do so by meditating in his word allowing it to control our hearts, letting it dwell richly. Every area, whether it's church, applying God's word to that, whether it's a conversation, whether it's an interaction, whether it's our work, applying it. And when we fail, applying God's word, confessing, knowing he forgives us, right? Applying his word and keeping our focus on our exalted, powerful Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on him. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, will you remind us of how we are to keep seeking the things above? 
Dave, we must let who we are in Christ now and our future glory with him motivate us to keep seeking the things above. Simply decide to think about, to set your mind on the things above, not the things of earth. Well, there are some of you here today who have never truly had a heavenward thought because you don't know Christ. Sin is in the way. Confess your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord and he will save you. Well, for those of us believers, do we strive continually to set our mind on the things above? Are we obedient to this command? The only way we can do so is to be renewing our minds, having the word dwell richly in our hearts. We need to focus on Jesus and his will for us in every situation, and that's only found in the scriptures. Well, it's only in the scriptures where we meet the risen Lord and are made aware of his perfect will for every situation. It's in the word alone that we see the absolute sufficiency of Christ. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. 